Welcome to Please Rewind, hosted by Stephen Dunk and Jeremy Dove. This is the podcast where we review classic movies chosen by you, and this is our very first episode, so welcome to it. Let me introduce my partner, Stephen Dunk. Steve, how are you? Good, good. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode. Jared, it's great to be with you, of course. It's it's awesome to be back in the saddle, Steve. After all this time, you know, our history goes all the way back to 2009 when we had our first podcast together, but we're not here to talk about that. We're going to keep it brief. We want to stay on subject. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be watching and reviewing today? Right. So basically, the premise of the show is we're going to be watching or rewatching films that we consider to be classic films. And what's a classic film? Well, we just arbitrarily picked anything greater than 20 years, released greater than 20 years ago. And of course there's no uh, back end to that. So it can go all the way back to the 1800s, I guess, or whenever the first time uh, shadows were thrown on the wall. So like Jer said, we, we started the group, we posted a bunch of, a uh, bunch of, um, Options for people to vote on, and what they came up with was uh, the two great ones. I think the first for one sure. we're going to the first one we're going to talk about, and if, and like Jerry mentioned uh, offline, there it inadvertently became a Richard Dreyfus double feature somehow. So, <laughs> um, which, that, which is awesome, it, which it, is fine, which is so great. Yeah, in the spirit of what we're doing, like who's a better like avatar for what we're doing than Richard Dreyfus? I, I you I know think it's a great a great way to kick it off. I think it's great because. Um, his career, I mean, just sort of it parallels our life only in the sense that he's been around as long as you and I have been watching films. Yeah, yeah it really fits our generational point. Of yeah, view right. On this topic. Yeah. And there's he's not the only one, obviously, but because he's been involved in so many big movies over the years. And, and again, he's um, he started in the 70s and, you know, Jared and I were both born in the 70s. So there you go. Um, that works out pretty well. So first up is uh, a big one um close encounters of the third kind released november 16th 1977 it made 306.9 million dollars worldwide it domestically it was 116 million now you know by today's numbers probably wouldn't get a sequel <laughs> <laughs> but uh back then that was a shit ton of money yeah. and actually but it was such 1977 of course famous for another big release which i'm sure someone will vote on at some point um yeah, even though this film is so gigantic <laughs> it actually only it opened third and actually it finished the year third behind star wars of course and Smokey and the bandit so um great it, great movie smoking the bandit i hope somebody picks that for us right imagine yeah um i'm sure burt reynolds will come up at some point um yeah. another guy who's been around as long as we have basically um but yeah so as that that number was a huge number back then um and on a 19 million dollar budget so i won't do the inflation math but i mean that's a lot of money back then uh so very successful of course directed and written by steven spielberg if you don't know who that is and you're definitely listening to the wrong show Music by John Williams, starring Richard Dreyfus, Melinda Dillon, Francis Truffaut, Bob Balaban, and Terry Garr. Maybe some of those names don't jump out to you guys, but I'm telling you right now, if you saw their faces and looked them up on IMDb, you've seen many of their films. They Couple jumped out at me, like, throughout this. Like, I, 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 could, I was like, oh, God, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, through the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> whole cast. Melinda Dillon is probably most famous for uh, a Christmas story. She's the mom yeah. in a Christmas story. And most people have seen that film. Um, Bob Balaban has been in all, if you've seen any of the um, uh, best in shows, um, 
for your consideration. All the uh, Eugene Levy films, right? He did with Christopher Guest. He's always in those films. You'd recognize him instantly. Terry Garr, of course. Um, God. Like, like, Terry Garr, I think of her as like, the hot mom in the 80s yeah and 70s obviously because yeah right she was she just too she like, didn't change she looked exactly the same yeah. yeah yeah she just yeah a lot of filmmakers chose her uh to play that iconic kind of uh 80s trope hot mom um a few bit of few bits of interesting trivia before we get into it so francis truffaut actually was well known at the time for being a director he actually took this role because he was writing a book on acting so this was sort of a research role for him in a ways, but he's, he was most known for being a director at the time. Um, Dreyfus was the absolute last choice to play this role. Oh. Um, it was turned down, offered to and turned down by James Caan, Jack Nicholson, Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, and Steve McQueen, who was wow. Spielberg's, who was Spielberg's mm-hmm. actually first choice and only choice for a while. And he wanted Steve McQueen so much he actually offered to remove the scene, the crying scene at the dinner table. But McQueen said he couldn't cry on screen and not to not. It wasn't a macho thing. He just said he didn't have that ability to make himself cry on demand. Spielberg actually said to him he would rewrite the scene if he would take the role. And it was McQueen who said, uh, no, it's a great scene. Leave it in. But I'm just not going to do the part. That's amazing. That's crazy. Um and finally, a little NASA apparently sent a 20 page letter to Spielberg warning him not to release the film. They thought uh, it made it had sh- put a negative light on sort of the 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 government's role in, in um, you know, alien cover up and, and discovery and research and all that stuff. So they actually warned him not to release it. And allegedly that only made him want to release it even more. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and you know what? That actually informs uh, my review in my notes. I was I was really surprised rewatching this about about the presentation of Richard Dreyfus. I thought I felt like he was really kind of um, kind of filmed as like a, like a like a sexualized leading man, like like a really sexy, like a, like a ufologist. <laughs> Nuts, nut job. I really felt like he was filmed that way. He was dressed that way. He was styled that way. Um, so to hear that it, it was supposed to be Steve McQueen uh, in, Steve, in Spielberg's uh, mind's eye originally totally fits uh, the way I saw this when I was watching. It's yeah, and he's of course not like a typical leading man. I mean, he's four yeah. foot, four foot nothing, yeah. right? And and not you don't conve- think a and, is, yeah. right. And he doesn't. He's not barrel chested. He's not conventionally attractive. No, um, but his shirt is unbuttoned like all the way, like all the time. His, his belly through this movie, right? And his hairy chest is like really hairy. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's funny because yeah, because Spielberg would have would have you know told him this idea for this film while they were making Jaws. So I can imagine the whole time him telling Dreyfus about this movie. Yeah. And Dreyfus in the back of his mind thinking, I really want to be in this movie. But Spielberg the entire time gushing over like McQueen. Or... Yeah, oh, I'm going to get McQueen. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like just totally rubbing in his face. Yeah, it would have been totally. ama- amazing, right? So yeah, it did go to Dreyfus. Um, I mean, listen, let's... I've seen this movie a lot. I know you've yeah. seen it a lot. Like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know how many times. A lot. Um, yeah. And every time... I, I feel pretty much the same way, more or less, about it. Um, and I don't know if this says more about me, but it's funny. I never gave too much thought. Dreyfus, I always thought, did a good job of a man sort of 
uh, being possessed with something, right? Like yeah. being driven to something that he doesn't understand and and wanting wanting answers to questions that he doesn't even know that what the questions are, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's weird though is that we're not really given a ton of pretext. Like we don't know. We get the idea his house is kind of sloppy. We get the idea he's kind of kind of zany, right? Like mm-hmm. he's a char- he's a character. Yeah, we don't know much about him, but but that he's a map maker and uh, right. he's hired to be translator on this job at the beginning of the movie. But uh, he's a he's a map maker by by trade, and he makes mo- he already made models of landscapes at home. He had that sure. in his living room already. Yeah. yeah, there's a bit of that. We get he's sort of like um unconventional at the time i think right it was a good way to put it so his descent into madness isn't totally without merit but it's sort of like okay well maybe he was kind of weird before but we don't really kind of guy you can believe he's a ufologist all of a sudden sure yeah (laughs) what's also interesting though too is that he doesn't have a character arc in this movie which i thought was really interesting yeah and also he cheats on his wife and abandons his family he he leaves them yeah 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 so you know say what you want about that i guess but um I kept waiting for them to show up at the end and resolve that. And it right. doesn't happen. And that's, and I think that's one of the, I think um, it, it's very telling about the times, about the era this movie was, was made in and about, about the era that, uh, that Spielberg was at in his life. Um, and, and I think uh, you said you, 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 you didn't really see this differently at this time. I felt like I saw this through new eyes and I don't know why that is except Probably because, like recently, I think it was probably Red Letter Media's review of Indiana Jones, where they talked about Spielberg when he was making Temple of Doom, and how the whole time he didn't care about what the story, what was happening, he was just falling in love with his future wife the whole right. time. Right. Uh, what's Kate Capshaw? Capshaw. Yep. Yeah. So and 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 then they showed footage, interview footage of him from back then. It is like so obvious, like like he's just flirting with her and grabbing her and, and following her around running. And they're just goofing off with each other on the movie set um, when they're making that film together. And I'm thinking and all of a sudden I see Spielberg, young Spielberg now because I don't think of like today's Spielberg is like a sexual guy at all or his films at all. Right. Yeah. Um, but now, I, but now I, I see young Steve Spielberg through this lens since just since just learning that, and I feel like there's so much just sex poured into it, in this whole movie. Um, it, it's it's like it's like a a, a rock and roll treatment. Um, uh, uh, it's a it's selling ufology as a sexy, cool, badass thing in its time. I think, and I think it's largely responsible for ufology taking root as a mainstream kind of uh, subculture and it, you know that exists to this day because I, I before the 70s i don't think it was that much um no for sure now there's a couple things number one this was a very personal movie to him like the dinner yeah. scene is taken from his real life his yeah. he, he did think his dad did abandon them in real life yeah. um they've since you know repaired that relationship so there is some some uh, interrelationship there between himself and the story so he d- he does put himself in a lot of his movies yeah um so there is a bit there going on for sure it's like sort of like a like a psychoanalyzing himself in a bit but yeah you're right because um what's interesting about it is uh it's also a it's it's, it's a non-violent first encounter if this is a first this is right. a first contact movie right, right. so yeah. it's also a non-violent one yeah. we're used to attacking or whatever right like and that was always the great thing like i kept thinking of arrival so i don't know if anyone's seen arrival if you haven't seen arrival you're dumb it's fucking amazing um came out I a few years with you yes Denis villeneuve um god i yeah it might be my favorite film of his it's so fucking great um it's another first contact film 
again now i mean there's they try and be there is a i mean there's sort of violence but it's really more about understanding um what their intentions are why are they right why are they here what yeah, yeah. What, what motivates them and yeah. then of course how do we communicate with something from a far off place so yeah in, you know in third in close encounters obviously they learn to communicate through notes through music um but yeah, I kept thinking of that. How this would inspire a whole generation of people to get into the to into that field, right. and I think that's because of the nonviolence. Because I mean, yeah, it turns out to be a beautiful, happy, positive experience. Yeah. At the end, they sell it as like a religious kind of like a yeah. new age awakening, and that yes. was very much that was very much the zeitgeist of the times as well. There was a lot of that happening in culture, right? Um, and so so it all it all fits in it and it's the power of spielberg i think is really displayed by this um in that way like like, like here he takes like like a, an element of subculture and and kind of like makes a giant commercial for it a rock video for it almost you know like a music video it's got a, it's got a beautiful soundtrack that sticks in your head after it's got this really exciting inspirational message um and, and, and yeah, it also sells you on counterculture at the same time that the, the government's lying to us all. But, you know, they really have good motives. They're really good people. We find that out right in the end. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, Spielberg, um, like uh, like responsible for for really selling all of that in a major way for, with this film. And it's fun. It's a fun film. Like it's 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 part horror movie. Like it reminds you of Poltergeist or or Jaws in a lot of the ways where it builds up just the the fear of what's happening um, with with the alien encounters. Um, you know, scenes that might have been lifted out of either of those movies I, I previously mentioned. Um, as as well as the as the really kind of kind of sexy kind of angle to it all like everybody's shirts are unbuttoned but like his wife's shirt is unbuttoned and the woman who he leaves his wife for her shirt looks exactly the same <laughs> and uh their hair is pretty much the same too it's like um uh, uh this charlie's angels kind of stylization of well, the 70s the style of the yeah, time yeah, probably yeah, too yeah, yeah. it's um, sexier yeah anyway, I, I i keep mentioning that but i, I but it just it kept yeah in my mind yeah yeah um yeah no i think the the i mean because they were made back to back i i this thing screams jaws to me so replace replace right. aliens with a shark all the right. like right. all these non uh visible cues are there like yep. we're, he's showing us aliens are there without showing us the aliens right it's the same yep. thing in jaws whether he's has whether he has a boy being sh shook in or the or the dock floating and then being yep. dragged or like we now we know why he couldn't show the, sh the shark because it kept breaking down but it ended up working in his favor so we have so many great um uh physical gags in this right like yep. whether it's I love that when this truck's broken down and he waves the one car past him right you just see the lights coming up behind him yep and then the truck passes him and honks at him he's like yeah 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 and then another vehicle comes up behind him we just see the lights and when he waves it around the lights go straight up um yeah. right so it's so like cool. holy shit and then of yeah. course the movie starts with that great radar scene where it's like the like we're, we're all we're getting all these cues these gags uh, that aliens are there but we don't actually see them it's amazing yeah. and the start of this film is fucking incredible right it, it's sure. like the it's like the yeah. exorcist opening right where we're taken to some far off land it starts completely silent first of all uh like over the over the columbia logo and both these films today we're talking about are columbia pictures as well we should mention that too right right over the columbia logo complete silence then black screen and uh then spielberg wrote, wrote and directed credit comes up um 
And then that iconic title comes up that just reminds me of so much that came after it. Like, I feel like maybe the Aliens title was ripped off, like the, the mm-hmm. font or the, or the design mm-hmm. of it a little bit. And then so many video games like Defender, like Atari, mm-hmm. uh, also ripped off this exact style. And it just uh, like iconic again. Um, and then and then like the sound cue comes up and, uh, and, and you're and you're in the windstorm. It's, it's so cool. It gets you invested immediately, right? Yeah. Because all of a sudden, before you know anything, you know multiple governments are involved. You know there's some sort of a cover up. There's mystery. There's ton. There's a ton time of time travel. There's there's a ton <laughs> of dramatic irony, right? Already yep. we know way more than um, Dreyfus and knows at the beginning before we meet him. We have these like these Navy planes that have been missing since the forties that are in perfect condition. The pilots yep. aren't missing. Yep. Like right away, you're just they have that babbling old man. Right. It was just like a classic. Sort I wrote of... down his line. Uh, he says the sun came out last night. He right. says it sang to him. Right. So right <laughs> away. Like, amazing. Right. Amazing, amazing. Right. Like, so Super. right away, you're Super. so into it. And also right away, you're like, even though, like I said, uh, even though it's, 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 it's really heavy handed as far as like, I guess it's kind of the B plot, but this, this, this government multi-agency government involvement, it's not cynical at all. No, no. like like no, a lot these of these are gar- all good people. In the end. yeah, we, right. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, like most movies today, and because it echoes real life, you know, we don't trust the government. Blah blah blah. Yeah, or it's um, a billionaire trying to make money off the aliens or some right. shit like that. Yeah. It's not. This movie is not like you said earlier. It's about hope. It it ends on a, a you know hopeful note. It's not this movie. It has zero cynicism at all. Like there's a great scene, of course, where Dreyfus is like they kind of have him. Tr- locked in a room and he's like yelling and screaming and he's like i i i need answers i need answers to these questions and da 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 and the two characters are they're very sympathetic to him yeah very sympathetic yeah, like totally. it's it, yeah. yeah because they're also looking for those same answers and they're yes. they're trying to figure out well yeah. how the fuck does he know what we know yeah. right it doesn't yeah. make sense to them and it's part of the mystery to them it's the, it, he's making their mystery get deeper right um, yeah and and, and and all these actors are so great at portraying that without saying it out loud um, and one and one guy's talking french the whole time yes I, yeah. I watched without subtitles did you watch with subtitles no i i wanted to get the cinematic experience so yeah, i did too. i watched yeah. without subtitles and i'm like man how is he so compelling and 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 interesting and how do i understand what he's doing so much when he's he's speaking french so fast that i don't understand any of it well it's um well because the script is so good and it's and it's worth pointing out this is only one of two movies that spielberg wrote by himself out of all of his films he only wrote four total but two he co-wrote and this one and ai are the only two he wrote by himself yeah um so those scenes where he's having to translate back and forth it it's it's done so well. Yeah, yeah uh, it's great. Right, there's no break in the action. You totally buy it. I love when the camera pans back and you uh, you get perspective of them two sort of like talking to each other in French, and you see mm-hmm. Dreyfus in the background, like totally confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. and then we get that, and then we get the, and then it uh, it goes from foreground to background, and we focus on Dreyfus again. And he's like, "What the fuck?" Like it's so quick and it's so smooth. It's so great. Yeah. Um, that was like, yeah, right away. I was like the the script was so great and it's funny because i always you know a lot of times i spend a lot of time just of course like everyone else on youtube and i always revert to the masters on things like this so siskel and ebert 
I actually uh-huh. thought the government they love the movie, but they thought the government stuff dragged the film down, especially in the second act. Right. Um, and I agree the second act does does drag a little bit, but I love the government stuff. I, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, it's great. And you're right. It does also get a little chewy in that part. Like it does slow down. Sure. Um, but it, I, I think it's part of the greatness of this film that 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 all this stuff is in there. Like I I remember even when I was a kid thinking, oh wow, this is slow at some point. <laughs> but, sure. Um, but still well, being but, but still being blown well, away slow, by that. Well, ending. of course, but slow compared to Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, was yeah. right. So I mean, that's the thing. So like we're sold on this alien movie, and this is the now the the kind of the genius of it, right? Because it's not Independence Day. And that's why Arrival was so good too, because the tension is so insane and he just gives you little bits at a time. And but it is more of a a think piece, right? It's more yeah. of it's more something like it's rudiment in the sense that like he wants us to sort of like he gives us a bit of information, then he allows you time to consider it. Yeah. And then he gives you some more information and then he gives you more time to think about it. Yeah. And because that's how they're getting the information in the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't Back to the Future. They don't give you everything you need to know in the first twenty minutes. Yep, right. It's piece by piece by piece. So, I thought I agree. It's a little slowish in the middle, but I don't feel like it hurts the film very much. No, I don't think I don't feel like it hurts it at all. I, yeah. I love it even more. I love it even more for that. Um, I'm just reviewing my notes here to see if there's anything important that I haven't said yet. Besides that, like. Every shot is so unbelievably gorgeous in this film. Like there isn't a single throwaway shot. Everything is framed to be a poster or like a just a piece of art. Um, and even the matte paintings for the special effects, when, yeah. you can t- when you can tell the sky is just all cut off in the frame, and it's just from the sky from the horizon up. It's just a it's just a matte painting. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, perfect, amazing matte paintings and beautiful use of them. Where where like this one shot um of the sky where it's a it's a static matte painting but it's just lit separately or and and uh oh shot where they're looking out over the power outage it's a it's again it looks like a static matte painting but right. just parts of it are going dark right so it looks like it's an, a, an alive thing there's so much amazing use of uh, 1977 1976 special effects in this movie hold up so well um and and are still beautiful gorgeous to this day um, well, that's, I want to talk about the special effects because okay. if, right, everything, of course, is um, subjective, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you, let's say you were born in, I don't know, 2010, and all you've known is, you know, like uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, let's say, yeah. right? As far as special effects are concerned, yeah. which I think we can all agree today are pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, but a good story is a good story, no matter what. And a bad story is a bad story. So um, effects only go so far, right? If the story sucks and, they, and you hate and you don't connect to the characters and there's no emotion, then it doesn't matter how great it looks. Um, so somebody, some kid watching this movie for the first time, you know, m- would probably dismiss it as campy. Um, and then you get to the end with the aliens and would probably laugh at it. Right. It like right when you get to full on like yeah. little chubby aliens running around. Yeah. And yeah. the spider mother alien or whatever, like the head alien who's yeah. like it's by today's standards, it's laughable, of course. But but like you said, in 1975 or 76, whenever, you know, whenever they got to that part of the filming schedule, um, it was the ship looks great. It's obviously not practical. It's not how a ship would look, but the ship looks great. 
the uh, you know when they're uh, when the groups gather at night to to watch when they the see aliens it off fly in the sky. by. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The night, all the night shots of the ships flying out over over the canyon, then zoom up into space, like about halfway through the film. Right when all those yeah. those cultites, like you said, are watched, they gather every night in the same spot to yeah. watch them zip by. Those look amazing. Yeah. The Spielberg has said his favorite shot in any movie he's ever done was when the door opens at the farmhouse and it's the red sky, right? Before when the kid gets kidnapped. Right. He loves that through yeah, the keyhole too. Yep. That looks amazing. Both it the guys all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It all holds up so well and looks so great. Um and I think, you know, if if a kid or a teenager or whatever was watching this movie in good faith, you know, and let's say they were, you know, a a, a blossoming cinephile. There's no denying that you know the story is good and tight and and it's it flows well. It's you know what I mean. It's it's a good film no matter what. Yeah. But yes, that you know by today's standard the special effects are are lousy. Um, but you you did what you had with at the time. I mean, he has no choice, right? But yeah. I think it invokes enough emotion at the end that I find that I didn't even consider the effects because I was so dialed into the. Um, I, geez, I really, it, it's kind of funny, actually. It's really made me think about Field of Dreams in a new light. This idea of seeing what's out there, the unknown, having the courage to get on that ship, and in the Field of Dreams, having the courage to step into the cornfield, right, right? Right. And there's even a line in Field of Dreams, right, where it isn't James Earl Jones says something like, if, if I'm brave enough to go through with this, or what a story it'll make, or some, whatever, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I kept thinking of that and that moment gripped me so much and i'm like what a you know he's on the he's on the precipice of an unbelievable adventure and that's preceded by the great line where like some unknown scientists it's a throwaway line but i thought it was great where he's like einstein was right he's talking about relativity of course when all the people come back yeah, this, yeah. It's the same age right they haven't aged yeah. um but i love that i think that moment the emotion of that moment overshadows the fact that he just cheated on his wife mm-hmm. uh and that the aliens don't look super great it's this idea of and so many other films have done it so well too you know of course alien and all this stuff like this unknown the space what's out there and also um it's not fire in the sky it's not yeah um you're not going to come back with like destroyed retinas and a sore butthole and uh Right, like you trust that he's probably going to be good. And that's why I hated the other cuts they did of this film when they show the inside of the ship. Right, in the dr- under pressure, they the studio made him film those scenes, and they were released later on. But I didn't want to see the inside of the ship. I was good right. with it. So I yeah, know, me too. There's three versions of the film. I like the 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 original release. Um, yeah. But yeah, this idea, right, of of having the the courage to 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 take that step, and yeah. I, I found that I was caught up in that moment and I didn't, the special effects just didn't matter to me if they ever did. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was just happy that they were, that they held up so well that they didn't pull me out of it really ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and you know what? I I felt like um, it's funny when you say uh, today's, uh, how would today's audience react to those aliens? Cause I think we found out when he tried to recreate this scene at the end of Indiana Jones and the crystal skull. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, right. and I and I and I it made me wonder if canonically I bet the answer is out there I didn't Google it but I bet you somebody has asked Stephen King were those the same aliens from Close Encounters uh, in the Crystal Skull Oh yeah maybe probably probably yeah that's <laughs> in funny. the in the in the Steven Spielberg verse um, 
But anyway, uh, I, 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 the, the movie amazed me in how the last 10 minutes of it was just a, a no dial. Like everybody stops talking for like 10 minutes and it's just an explosion, an ejaculation of, of special effects, glory and, and, and music um, and just people reacting astonishedly and Richard Dreyfus cheating on his wife randomly on a mountainside <laughs> of <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's really a glorious uh cinematic experience um and um and again the, the power of young steven spielberg like this is one of those films that really made his name and um and it's got like just his signature well right well only because so him only because um people were wondering if he could follow up jaws yeah right yeah like he people were like was that what did he get lucky? Was that a one-off? Whatever. Right. So it's and like so he said, Look, yeah. I'll give you this symphony, this spectacle. Which and... this is the film he actually wanted to make before, but they oh yeah, it, it kept getting turned down. He had to make Jaws first, yeah. Cool. Uh, um well. uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's uh you know, I find that like the less I think about it, um, the more I like it, which sounds kind of counter, right? Counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. um if I get, if I find that I get too lost in the details, I, I, you know, start to him and ha a little bit, but overall, I think this is why I still maintain that. I think Steven Spielberg is the greatest director of all time. Cause I think he gets movie making better than anyone else. Yeah. He under, he understands ultimately it is about entertainment. It's about yeah. taking, you know, we're, we're just trying to escape for two hours of, you know, yep. get away from our lives. And I think he gets that better than anyone else. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, you can just look at his filmography, and I think that's pretty clear. But and and also the subject, the the, the subjects he chooses mostly, yeah. you know, you know, setting aside like the Schindler's List and stuff, where he really and Lincoln, where he's really trying to sort of like, you know, uh, do a bit of historical stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I think it, uh, I think it, this film to me is is hasn't uh, has aged well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I just want to see if there's any final thoughts. Um, I'd, I want to get out in my notes here. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> Spielberg isms. Okay. So um, there's a scene uh, where Richard Dreyfus is, Richard Dreyfus is taking a leak in the bathroom and his kids come and smack his ass. He's wearing his underwear and it's just like <laughs> half naked Richard Dreyfus in the bathroom and his kids being lewd with him. Yeah. And it reminded me of, the scene in E.T. when Elliot's mom is bending over and one of his friends reaches over to pretends like he's going to touch her ass. Yeah. And, and he gets his hand smacked away by one of them. I felt like Spielberg does a lot of ass touching <laughs> in his movies. OK. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I got to know uh, why. I'll Both have those... to. I, I'll, I'm going to sort of try and remember that whenever I watch another film, see if um, it does come up in all of this. I had a note here. about what you already said about how Melinda Dillon is most famous for a Christmas story. But I bet you Melinda Dillon thinks she's most most famous for Close Encounters of the Third Kind because it's she probably feels like that was the, the more uh, uh, important movie. Well, it's definitely well, I would agree. It's definitely more important. And it's yeah. it's clearly like a bigger project right yeah. like it's a, it's a big huge yeah. hollywood production steven spielberg blah 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 yeah. It'd be interesting to see I, I yeah i don't know if we were to like take 100 people on the street you know and, and just say you know showed her a picture of her and be like what's the first thing that jumps to mind but yeah yeah it, but the thing is like her part i mean geez she what does she say maybe 20 words the whole film like she doesn't yeah, have yeah. right like sure. she, a lot of her a lot of her her job in this film is is reacting more that right more than um more than leading the way right 
yeah. a lot of her a lot of her shots are her just like being mortified of course and then you know pers- you know chasing after her son like she has a different motivation almost as like it changes it goes from like you know being um awestruck sort of like dreyfus to she needs she's getting her son back right right she's chasing someone whereas dreyfus is is chasing something right but she's also chasing that same something because she's no no for sure but i think the son the mother the mother is why she gets dreyfus i feel like her whole purpose in the movie is to say um uh if you're a ufologist um you're right and if your wife leaves you it's because she doesn't understand you and don't worry you could find a woman just as good as her who does understand you <laughs> um and you and you could just completely replace your old family <laughs> so are you saying that in 77 spielberg was saying don't warning us uh, uh, warning us about incels uh, maybe that's maybe. possible that's possible yeah. that's possible yeah. but let me just finish up my notes real quick yeah i have a note one note here carl weathers exclamation mark yes he's a he's a he's one of the army dudes right amazing amazing yeah. little yeah. tiny cameo in there and um lance, amazing... lance hendrickson too has a cameo yes yeah. um and, and an amazing line of dialogue that i want to mention uh according to my bird the only bad air here is you guys farting around <laughs> that was a cool i love that because that's come up in movies over the years too There's this no poison air my bird's not dead yeah, yeah. Th- this idea of the government saying um like like cordoning off an area it happened in the one of the Godzillas, right? Where yeah, they say yeah. this area, you know, not to enter and yeah. using all these different tricks to sort of keep people away. Yeah, it's kind of that I like that scene where he takes his mask off for the first time and breathes in the air and yeah. realizes he's fine. And yeah. yeah, it's a kind of interesting thing. Um of course I, I'll end let, let's end with this. So this is a famous story, but maybe someone hasn't heard it yet about how um Spielberg and Lucas made a bet with each other about whose film would perform better at the box office. And Spielberg bet against his own film because he had so much faith in Star Wars, and of right. course, and so he he took points on Star Wars box office, and I, I I I looked the number up at one point, and it was tens of millions of dollars he's made off that bet. Nice. Like it was because Star Wars, of course, went on to do so well. So nice. he took points, and and Lucas thought um, Close Encounters would perform better, so he obviously lost oh, the bet. Wow! So Spielberg has made millions and millions and millions of dollars off Star Wars. Yeah, that's amazing. So there you go. Amazing. Well, Steve, we should give our official uh, review uh, ratings then, which we haven't done yet. So we have a thumbs up, thumbs down system here uh, on, on this podcast. Uh, if, if a movie is thumbs up, uh, that, then then we say, please rewind. Um, and, and if the movie is thumbs down, then we're going to say, be kind. Let's just leave it on the shelf where it belongs. Uh, um, so, Well, I would be dishonest if I didn't say anything other than please rewind, because yes, I've seen this movie (laughs) many, many times over my life. So definitely please rewind. I'm I'm not going to waste any more time. We've gone on a little bit long for this one, and we've said a lot. Uh, It's also a please rewind for me, full on. Um, Love this film. Really enjoyed rewatching it. Really feel like I understand it in a different way now, and uh, I feel like this was a total worthwhile experience. Thank you, members of our chat, for voting us to watch this film. Um, that was uh, offered up by Dakota Sleeman. That's right. That's my brother-in-law, whose birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday! Oh, nice! Brother. Happy birthday! Next, we have, uh, of course, and you know, very, very another another big one, another yeah. famous, another famous movie in the lexicon. Another institution, another institution, really, and of course, the second half of our Dreyfus double feature here, mm-hmm. Stand by Me, released August twenty second, nineteen eighty six. A great year for film, actually. I recommend people look up uh, the year sure. in film, nineteen eighty six. Pretty killer year. Um, 
it was only released domestically actually it never had international reach so it so it made 53 million dollars uh worldwide but in this case it was just north america on a budget of eight million so pretty good Directed by Rob Reiner, which most people should know, uh, not only an actor, but a famous director, uh, you know, Spinal Tap and Princess Bride, of course. Um, written by Bruce Evans and Reynold Gideon. Now, I mentioned those two because um, you would have never heard of them any other sense. And they really didn't do much else. But I think it's important to mention them only because we'll talk about it. But I think that this script is pretty fucking great. Um Starring Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, happy birthday to Corey Feldman today, uh, Jerry O'Connell, this was his first film actually, Kiefer Sutherland, and a bunch of other young actors, you're probably, sh- you know, Casey Samizek, all these other uh, young guns almost, actors you're going to recognize who would appear in many films over the years, but the main four, of course, um, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and Jerry O'Connell. Um, what was fun about this film, I thought, was... Uh, the runtime is only 89 minutes, which I mean, the average is a hundred and something minutes, even like, so, I mean, when's the last time you saw a film under two hours? So right, right. like it's, it's very quick. I assume that's because now this is based on, of course, the book by Stephen King. It's not even a book, actually. It's, it's a, a short novella. story. Yeah. yeah. In a book, the body it's called, which is a short story. So it makes sense that, you know, but you know, today's Hollywood would make this a trilogy, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the yeah, fact but- that they, they but honored I, the shortness of the story I thought was pretty good. Well, it's if you think about it, it's a very, very simple story. Like if you if you if you say this happens, then this happens, then this happens, you get through it pretty quickly, right? It's a it's told, you know, in a very long form. It moves very slowly and it takes its time and it's a lot of dialogue while everything is happening. So I I think that totally fits. No, it's this is like a perfect story circle movie. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. there and back again. Like yeah. you go out, go out your door on an adventure, get to a certain point and you find your way back home. Changed a changed person. It's literally the Joseph Campbell story circle. Like you couldn't, you yes. could teach this. Yes. Um, you could teach this script. Sure. Um, it's the, the, I think the thing that got to me first um, was, I don't know. I never really thought about it too much. It's very, 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 very uh, apolitical meaning it's a bit of like a frozen in time piece and it doesn't imply anything about the larger world politics right like no culture other than maybe the soundtrack which is all hits of hits of the time um there's no culture in this film at all and so it's 1959 and that makes a lot of sense because there america is between wars right korea had ended the u.s hadn't gotten into vietnam yet um it's it's a weird time, isn't it? Because and yep. and they're the only thing they imply, of course, is you know Corey Feldman's dad was a veteran um, of World War Two. Yeah. So they so they reference that. So you can tell it's very much a country that's still healing from that. But yeah. other than that, it's sort of like a timeless, which helps its enduring effect from a film perspective. I think because it it is a timeless film, and I think that works in its favor. Uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, this, when you watch a story like this um, in modern perspective, you find yourself saying, like, it probably couldn't happen this way today, right? It, it, certain elements of the story would get called out for their politics and probably get written differently for their politics or to try to avoid uh, politics. But um, there's nothing political about this movie. You're right. It, it doesn't make a statement about right. anyone or anything it, except for childhood 
and and growing up and and the loss of innocence and um and relationships between fathers and sons and and, and between boys and other boys um it's you've got a, a, a serious uh lack of any female characters i noticed that too there's two characters uh, other themes. than other than the lardass scene there's yeah. two in the movie yeah. um his mom uh will wheaton's mom who is you know is playing a mute character by design right because she's mm -hmm. traumatized mm -hmm. and then like the diner lady mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that's it yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this is very, very much intentionally about boys and yeah. men and their journey. And so just that today is a very hot political topic. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Red pill. Like, and yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, just just, you know, <laughs> watching it and, and being completely free of any of that, like of, of like staying on my toes, like <laughs> watching for red flags. <laughs> Um, sure yeah yeah you know, it, it, um, it's a great yeah. experience and uh it's a it reminds me of a more innocent time like this movie is a is really intended to do yeah i mean there's cringy language for sure but that's of the time right that yep. you know they use certain words that i personally don't say um yep. but were very commonplace at the time of course and yep. most of it had to do with again to your point how males referred to other males who they thought was weak who yep. were weaker or effeminate yep. or you know, in, in Gordy's case, a writer, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. It was considered a, an effeminate thing at the time. Yep. Um, yeah. So there's, of course, the language is the language, but how they it, build each other up, how they tear each other down. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's the title of the movie, obviously it's, it's what the point of it is, but um, it just, it's, it's, yeah, it's very, very focused. It's very streamlined. It's like, very there's, streamlined. There's, no, there's no fat to cut. Uh, it's, it, it's, it, I felt like the theme like writes the plot It's it's like, it's so it's not, not heavy handed, but it's, it's just clear a B telling you like, like what it's saying about these people, but what's happening to them in their lives and their, at this point in their life and about the pain that they're all struggling with. And they all kind of have their own, um and, and then it shows you the contrast between between the boys the heroes of, of the of the movie and the cobras who are basically exactly the same just you know a few years later on in their in their growth and development and they're they're meant to show you you know where these boys could be headed right um you know in their in the environment that they're in and and it's also showing you the reasons why boys turn out like the cobras in the environment they're in because they're showing you what these boys are going through right now as they're you know on the precipice of, of that development um right if the cobras had a, had a gordy yeah right then maybe it turns out different for them yeah right if they had, if one of them had a, had the courage to be sensitive to be emotional yeah um then maybe they turn out differently yeah and and, and yeah, to support each other and love each other kind of the way these boys do at age 12. And, I, and it, you know, jumping to the end of the movie, like the final line of this thing uh, of, you know, the narrator writing his book, which is what, what we're re listening to watching here, um, is um, I'll never have the same kind of friendships I had when I was 12 years old, but Jesus, who does? So he's specifically saying, like, this is a love letter to 12-year-old boyhood. I think specifically, I can say that with 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 uh, confidence, um, mm. uh, because he, he comes out and says it basically. Um, but 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 this but this story is like these four boys are uh, again uh, I, reminiscent of what I was saying with Steven Spielberg when I, when I, th I thought he was like sexualizing and kind of beautifying and rock and rollifying everything. These four boys are filmed as heroes. Uh, mm -hmm. 
they're they're framed tightly they're they're styled kind of uh kind of beautifully you know for their era and and for their situation but but still they have a hollywood kind of look like every shot like feels like a like an iconic kind of hero shot um in all of their uh all of their engagement and um and uh, I, you know, I'm jumping to like a final point, but um, you know, through this whole, throughout this movie, I keep coming back to that. Like, um, the message here is that these boys are in the best possible moment of their lives, and it's never going to be this good again. But it wasn't all perfect, you know. It was, it was painful too, and this is what it was like, right? Yeah, it's no. I mean, it all those things, all the elements of filmmaking come together in this um, to create everything you just said right the yeah. cinematography is fantastic yeah. it's shot it's it's be, it's you know it's this was filmed in oregon it's yeah. beautiful though. every shot scenery, just... yeah every shot looks like a painting yeah. it's beautiful to look at they filmed everything exterior so it was no there was no studio stuff at all yeah. it was all filmed on location uh obviously they got lucky with weather um gorgeous you know beautiful sunsets beautiful sunrises yeah. um i think the only thing actually that was filmed in the studio sorry was uh the camping scene where they or no when they go in the when they fall in the, the pond the swamp there but um everything else was exterior so it just looks great and i think that helps it it makes it feel more real right it feels yeah. like because it is real i mean it's filmed it in a real city in a yeah. real town but yeah it makes the characters seem real too um and even as a period piece, it doesn't feel dated uh, from, uh, from uh, you know, visually, uh, you know, sound-wise, editing, you know, anything about it. It, it still feels like it, it could have been made in modern times, just not, you know. Well, because there's no special yeah. effects. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's there's no, there's nothing in it that dates it. Yeah. Again, be, other than like. Um, Maybe but, like a, a shot of a train coming down a track at a kid, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. There's yeah. Like yeah. A, there's like something, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, I think the biggest thing about it is, and, and it just, this sort of like, is, is to your point, why it works so well. And it's something that they probably might not do today. Um, it's also four kids playing their age. Yeah. So they're all, uh, I, I looked it up. I can't remember now what it is, but they're all between like, so they're all 12 and 13 year olds in the movie, right. but the, the actors themselves are all between like 11 and 15. Right. Um, so they're all playing their age, uh, which I mean, that just works so well. I mean, it's like, uh, and you know, there's stuff about the filmmaking that went into where they were sent away to a camp to hang out for a while before they filmed the movie so they could get along so well. So it all just means that it, it, it helps, it helps um, portray them as real friends. Like you believe it because yes. they were real friends and you buy it. Um, and because there was no like big, um, uh, there's no egos, right? There's no, yeah, like it's, Jerry, Jerry O'Connor's first film. And I mean, of course, you know, we would know who uh, Feldman wasn't Feldman yet. Um, and of course, Phoenix wasn't, you know, River Phoenix wasn't River Phoenix yet. Right. Like, he, mm -hmm. you know, this might not, not wasn't his first film, but it wasn't his eight, eighth film either. So yeah. they're they're basically still unknowns. Um, and because they're playing their age, all those things work so well together. And the four of them just fit so well together and you 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 believe that they're friends you believe that those four kids growing up in that town in that time period would be friends yes and and 
you believe that they're children. I, yes. Th this, and this is a new feeling to me because I feel like when I first watched this, I was probably around their age, right? So it felt like I was watching people my age in a movie instead of yeah. watching children in a movie. Yeah. Now that I'm rewatching this, not when I rewatched this yesterday, um, I was like, wow, I'm really watching children in these dangerous situations instead of people my own age in these dangerous situations where it was when I first watched it. So now I feel like there's an extra element of just like um like the illicit stuff is more illicit the dangerous stuff is more dangerous like there's a there's a there's a there's an extra edge to the whole thing that i didn't have uh when i watched it when i was a kid well that's also now where even though it feels like the palettes are a little softer and the the uh the hard edges are softened or you know are, are rounded a bit it's we have to remember it's Stephen King wrote I mean it's a horror yeah, it's a horror it's a horror yeah. film so you know that's that that sense of of unknown of dread and there's a great line I wrote it down it's early on in the film and I I wish I don't I don't remember who wrote it who said it but they say we're going to see a dead kid maybe oh it's Gordy he's like we're going to see a dead kid maybe it, it shouldn't should be, a be a party yeah 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 great line and great that's line. just like and like yeah because you get caught up in the excitement the adventure of a camping trip and going again talk about like stepping into the unknown and um, you don't know what's going to happen to these kids, and um, but they refocus, they re they recenter you by saying, "No, this is a dark film. Like we're going yeah. to see a dead body." And also, what's great is the kid who died is their age. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's this. So there's this sense of uh, life is fleeting, carpe diem. Anything yeah. can happen. Anything can happen. And all of this danger that we're in is actually really real. Like we like we might not survive our boyhood is, I think, a huge part of the message of uh, about the beauty of boyhood that they're trying to sell here. Um, that that look, not everybody does make it through this. You know, not, not every kid does get off the tracks in time before the train shows up when they're goofing off. Uh, you know, sometimes it goes wrong, not like the movie. Um, not like the heroes of the movie, um, I, I yeah, and it, it's it's the brilliance the brilliance of the writing, like you said, and the fact that this film, although it was taken from the Stephen King novella, it incorporates the like this like the novella didn't have the stand by me aspect, right? And when you come and you make this movie, um, and you decide to to call it Stand by Me, and you and you put the song in as like the 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 backbone of the score you're you're adding this whole um new thematic element to it right um where it, the focus is not about the dead body anymore now the focus is about um how we're all helping each other get through this life i think mm -hmm. um and, and yeah you were you're so right about the writers and i'm glad you named them because i i wanted to look that up myself um because it's brilliant the way this film is so much more than the stephen king novella um you know by you know by uh great cinematic uh work being it was nominated for a screenplay at the oscars the only nomination it got was the screenplay well uh it there deserved that nomination i think yeah i oh, would yeah. note here oh yeah he aged john cusack looks so real <laughs> uh, <that was laughs> yes my, john cusack plays a yeah minor initial, important. My, my initial reaction was Oh, it looks like Robert Downey Jr. de-aged in <laughs> in Iron Man Two or whatever. Yeah, but no, it was just young John Cusack and really young John Cusack, and yeah. his role was so great. And I made a note: uh, John Cusack is such a good big brother. It makes me wish my son had a big brother. Um, um, that part really hugged my heartstrings. Okay, see, for that 
Okay, so like now we're gonna get maybe a little nitpicking time. Okay, that, okay. that turned turned me off. That was a little really? cringy. A little, it was a little too a little too lovey dovey for me. A little too cringy. Now maybe just because I never had that in my own life, but but this that, is the same movie where River Phoenix and Will Wheaton practically no no in the no, third act right? for sure. I, for some reason, I buy that more. And, and they cry and they cry and they cry. No, they don't. No, they're in love with each other. No, yeah. there's no those two. Yeah, Chris Chambers and Gordy uh, Lachance or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, uh love each they're, other it looks like they're about to kiss when Keeper yes Sullivan interrupts them in the in the third act there's i you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna accuse anyone of of that type of intentionality right no I, but because i because I, 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 I think the film is too, is is innocent and uh, innocent yeah. enough that that that's just clearly not the case yeah. but in like a, these guys don't have a sexual thought that has it's been e proven well, but, they don't have yeah. any sexual thoughts at all. They don't talk yeah. about girls at all. Yeah. These young kids and they're yeah. puberty and they're in the middle of puberty. Like they right. like it's there is a serious like you said earlier about the girls, like even the Cobras. They, there's one scene where they're talking about like one guy can't get How anywhere get with his yeah. girlfriend. And he says, that's because you're dating a Catholic. You got to date a Protestant yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, Great scene. And, and I think it's I, again, it's showing you the progression, right? Like eventually these guys are going to start talking about sex. Oh, yeah, movies. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Well, and also. They, you know, maybe Chambers does, but the other guys probably don't have much of a shot anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, uh, uh, Teddy is, is just too much of a weirdo. Yeah. Um, the other guy that, the other guy that I told you he has four kids and a wife and he's a forklift driver in the end. That's right. Jerry O'Connell's character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, Will Wheaton is probably just too, too sensitive for his own good just yet. Um, yeah. And he's all he's also in his own world, right, with his writing and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, there's 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 so you're you're left with this male bonding, which can sometimes, of course, be confused for, you know, homoerotic type yeah. of stuff. But and no, and no, I don't think that was their intention. Of course not. But yeah. but there's no denying they were in love with each other. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's a, it's a very tender, loving relationship yes. that, that neither of them was receiving from the adults in their right. life. That's which right. Was the whole yeah. point of this, right? That's right. Yeah. Stand by me. We provide for each other what the adult world is denying us and and with withholding from us, and, and we are 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 providing each other the emotional support that we need to survive our childhood and not end up like Ray Bauer, um, or 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 Ace even, right? Like right, right. Um, and that and that is clearly shown like they show you over and over again how fearless ace is right, right. Yeah. Um, they, they keep showing you you know like the, obviously the chicken scene in the road but 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 at the very end like he's he, he pulled he takes his knife to river fantasy's throat and obviously he's probably not going to cut probably he's going to hold it there and threaten him some more right but like nothing is going to back this guy down so when will wheaton finally has his hero moment at the end and i'm sorry i'm skipping to the end spoiler alert by the way guys um uh when he finally stands up to him with that gun and stops him and he's the only thing in this entire movie that could stop ace dead um and it's not just because of the gun ace ace, ace still tries to get to him still tries to talk the gun out of his hand it is because will wheaton is so rock solid there for his friend um, that nothing, it, nothing is going to get. It. He's he becomes the the um, immovable object in front of yeah. the unstoppable force, right? Um, and, and it's such an amazing hero moment. I wrote down his line in that moment, even even because um, it's the first time he talks like this at all the movie. I think he says, "Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood," and he says it under his breath, right? Yeah. Like, like, like the real his real fucking authentic voice is speaking it, it, that line right um it's so powerful and so amazing um 
I don't remember how I started off. He finds his courage. It's funny because um, this sort of like nice segue to uh, Kiefer Sutherland, who's greatest fucking movie. I, and it's funny. So so same same scene. I wrote down his line where he's like, "This is big time, baby." I love the way he delivers that line. Yeah. He's waving the knife at him still. Yeah. So there's still that threat. And it's funny. I wrote down two things. Would Ace have killed Chris? Would Gordy have shot Ace? Right. Um, it, if Ace I, hadn't backed out. If you don't if you don't think Ace would have killed. So do you think Ace would have killed Chris? No, I think he was going to. He was going to keep threatening. I mean, he just wanted to. He just wanted to make sure he was afraid. Yeah. He would go as far as he had to go. So you think until, you think Ace has. You think Ace has limits? Yes, I think that Gordy proved that. And you th- and do you think Gordy would have shot Ace? Yes, if Ace had not stopped. Okay, he would have. He would have. He would have killed to protect his friend. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. I love Kiefer Sutherland in this movie. I love the delivery of that line. This is big time, baby. He looks fucking great. I love how they gave him. I mean, as he's he is blonde, he is he is blonde, but his hair looks a little bleached out to me more than yeah. normal. And he's slicked, and he's always dressed. Like the the clothing in this movie is is all jeans and a t shirt, right? A lot of that. That yeah, was just yeah, that was yeah. just the way people dressed back then. Um, but he's always got like black with a little cut, like that, like a whole not a Hawaiian shirt, but like a a button up of some kind, yeah. like with a, with a pattern on it. Like a, he's yeah. he's like he reminded me of um, Ewan McGregor in uh, the uh, the uh, fuck the Margot Robbie DC movie. Um, she's the oh. cl- clown. What's her name? Uh, 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 Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Uh, yeah. Um, he's he plays the Black Mask Club, in it, right? Yeah. yeah like yeah. he's just like he's this. No, fla- the, the, he's the kind of flamboyant. One. He's like a dark, edgy person, but they give him this great sort of flamboyance, right? Yeah. With with his outfit and stuff. Like yeah. he'd be like a a singing villain if he's put like in a proper film, <laughs> right? Like yeah, he's yeah. like right, like he's he's such a great villain. And I love the I love. I think he looks great. Oh, evil in this movie. And, and he, almost and he, as evil as his vampire character from Lost Boys. Like, right. And yeah, right. Yeah. And he and he's the clear leader just by yeah. looking. If you just looked at the group. Yeah. You would know who the leader of that gang was. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was really cool. And then this I don't know why this jumped out to me. It was kind of a funny thing. It speaks. It's more it's like a character decision. But like the four boys, Teddy's the only one who changes for the trip. He changes into his army fatigues. If you look right. at the clubhouse scene at the beginning of the film, he's dressed kind of like aces. He's wearing like a, a colorful button up and yeah. um, just regular clothes or whatever. Yeah. But when it's time to go on the his, quote, his mission, training. go yeah. on the mission and quote unquote, um, because uh, his character is so obsessed with the military because his dad and da, 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 yeah. he changes into these army fatigues and he's the only one. They're all wearing the same clothes. Except yep. him, he changes into those clothes for the mission. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's cool. Yeah. Um. So, uh. The so the pie eating thing, the lard ass pie eating story, which is I love that it's like that, uh, you know, mise on mise sort of like film within a film right. thing, right. which is great. Um, and it's exactly halfway. Mm-hmm. I, I looked. It's exact that camping and storytelling story time scene is exactly halfway. Right. You know, I don't know what that now that could I think that's just a passage of time thing because it's their the, the one night they camp out. So it's exactly halfway their journey. Um, I don't think there's much it's much deeper. That's the thing with this film. Like, I don't find this film clandestine in any way. Like, I think uh, there's nothing furtive about the story. Like, no. I think it's very just uh, uh, like, right. I think it's I think it's a very and this isn't a pejorative. I don't mean it to be. But the, um, it's very shallow. 
Right. I feel like the first half of the movie is just introducing you to the situation and the boys, and and the the action doesn't really begin until you get the scene where the cobras start looking for the body themselves. Like that's right. Yeah. Uh, everything yeah. Up, up everything yeah. up until then was just establishment. Yeah. And and getting you invested in the events that are about to happen. Well, and you have to. Kind, yeah. You have the second half of the half of right. the movie where everything happens. We have to care. We have to care about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But the pie thing brings me to like sort of one of the trivia things I thought was funny. So Roy Brower appears alive in that. And I didn't realize that until oh, I looked until I, I looked I until, until I looked it up. Yeah. Um so I love the, you know, the pie eating thing. Um <laughs> because there's there's a great thing too. So this is I can't remember what, what the order is. I think it must be before this he tells the story. But like it's he he the narrator says uh, you know we just sat around and talked about things that boys talk about and so they do these quick shots of each one like a close up on each one of their faces yeah. and they're mentioning something stupid right like yeah. uh, I, you know all the funny funny things they talk about yeah. I thought that was really well done I loved that's when I really feel like um, it reminded me of like us hanging out and talking about yeah. stupid stupid shit. Yeah. You know, and it, like you know, ridiculous things. And there's there's even the one part where they're talking about like could Muddy Mouse Muddy Mouse fight Superman, and like when they're walking on yeah. the tracks. Like it, again, this goes back to the screenplay where it's just like these are things twelve year old boys would talk about. Yes. Yeah. It, for sure. Really, really real dialogue throughout. Really like genuine, uh, authentic. It just it just makes them so relatable and talk like like we mentioned earlier about how real this film feels. Like it it feels. Uh, like like a biopic almost yeah. like it almost feels like based on real events you know what i mean like it's it's so well done um but i think ultimately like the like i said the um the 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 non sort of you know like surreptitious tone ultimately like makes it like a nice entry in film history but i don't think i don't feel like it's impactful uh, yeah. like I used to think maybe it was, I feel like, I think any, I think now this is just a reflection of changing times, changing attitudes, society, blah, blah, blah. Uh, like this movie would be, you know, considered pretty bored by today's standards. I think For people sure. would be, people would be bored watching this film. I think you have to watch it a certain time and place of a certain time. If you're able, and of course there's some things that are, they're everlasting, just the beautiful way it's filmed. It looks great. The soundtrack, yeah. of course, is great. All those great hits from the back in the day. Um, and of course, it made it got Stand By Me back on the charts after like 40 years, which is kind of neat. Too, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of fun. And of course, it, it served as a launching point, really, for these actors who all went on to do uh, bigger and bigger. I don't know, bigger, but other things anyways. I mean, Will yeah. Wheaton is still around. Uh, of course, Mr. Phoenix passed. Um yeah. And then Corey Feldman, for bet for good or bad, you know, had his career, and uh, of course, Jerry, of, of all of them, Jerry O'Connor turned into <laughs> like this super hot, sexy guy who yeah. is still married to Rebecca Romaine Stamos and all that, and didn't do much acting wise, but you know, is sort of still around. But um, it really, um, it really, I you know, it, it did it did make me sad about Phoenix because even yeah. at that age, it was clear he had just a little bit more than everybody else. Yep. He was it, a great actor. It was pretty obvious, you know. He he was great in that film, and it was pretty obvious. Although um, I want, I do have a note that I thought Will Wheaton's crying scene 
was far more convincing than River Phoenix's crime scene. And I Yeah, but is that because you've sold on the characters? Like ones I don't inherently know. I, know. I felt when Will Wheaton was crying, I felt like that that's a little boy who needs a hug like worse than I I don't know when 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 I I guess I was just thinking more about his story when it was River crying and less about oh that poor little boy. But when Will Wheaton was crying, like he moved me. Like um like I felt for him. Um, it probably depends, you know, what more, kind of childhood you had, probably yeah. where you are in life. Because I mean, I mean, Will's Gordy. I mean, he has a lot of shit he needs to unpack, right? Like coming, like the dream. So in the dream, yeah. where his dad looks at him and says, "It should have been you," or "I wish it was yeah. you," or whatever, that got changed. Apparently, I think it was was it Roy Brower? It's somebody else. It's not his dad saying that to him. Okay. Originally, apparently I've never read the short story. Have you read the short? No, I no, neither have I. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't really like that. I have a problem with that one scene. I don't know why. Um, like I, I feel like. So they changed it for the movie. It was, I don't remember who would, I, I feel like it was Roy Brower saying it to him, but it wasn't his dad. They, Rob Reiner changed it yeah. to his dad. Yeah. I feel like you wouldn't have that dream. I feel like that's not a dream that you would actually have. I feel like your, your subconscious fears and pain don't, to, don't get translated that directly into your dreams like it's not it's right. like your dreams are written right. by rob reiner to tell you how you feel it's <laughs> you a, it's too it's too on the nose it yeah, would be yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, it's exactly. not symbolic enough right yeah, it would it would exactly. be a metaphor it would be exactly. a metaphor so it would be a, it would be a different character it, it wouldn't felt, be his dad yeah yeah yeah, yeah, like yeah. unearned like unearned yeah. that 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 yeah also detail. also too i was never fully convinced that he really gave a shit that his dad hated him until he, this crying scene but, but, but even then i was just like for me I don't I don't ever feel I, I I think it's it's still just a lot of like missing his brother, obviously, but I just don't know if he ever because even when his brother was alive, his dad was a piece of shit to him. Yeah, so I think I don't watch it again because I, I yeah. this moment actually jumped out at me. But yeah. he's sobbing. My dad hates me. My dad hates me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like like he it's almost like he loses it in the crying. Like I, I feel like I feel like he he actually breaks and is feeling that in the moment. Um. I, I I fucking I thought oh my god Will Wheaton was a fucking amazing actor yeah uh, no no I no him and yeah. no him and, and Phoenix are great they're both yeah, great yeah. in this film yeah, yeah. um the clearly the two you know um and they had the best material to work with too but they but they could have flopped it and they didn't they did great yeah it is um, a tragedy about River Phoenix but it's also kind of a tragic tragedy about Will Wheaton who is now a Star Trek after show host I well yeah I mean that's listen that's like, just a Hollywood that's a Hollywood career thing though I mean he. Can you imagine if River Phoenix was alive today and he's like seeing Will doing this? <laughs> wow, well, they have no chance they would have been friends after. They yeah, live different, guess, different, completely different sad. lives. But um, that's why I think Will Wheaton is tragic. Well, I mean, Phoenix would have been. Um, who I mean, who knows? You just you can't predict these types. And also, of... also sad that Will Wheaton looks nothing like a middle-aged Richard Dreyfus in middle age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a weird one. There's not much about that. They did try out again Dreyfus wasn't the first choice um apparently there was a few other people they wanted but it ended up where either the they didn't they liked the voice but not the face or vice yeah. versa so they, yeah. they 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 ended up going with just the best voice they could get and, and Dreyfus does have a does have a nice sounding near he's a great narrator right he does I do like the sound of his voice uh, yeah he sounds he sounds to me like uh in his voice has the same inflection and tone of like uh what's his name stern who did wonder years like it's just he just yeah, has that very americana midwest smart out Al smart alecky uh type of thing going um it does yeah it makes me uh it, it made me sort of think about you know what you know where phoenix would have gone i liked his breakdown scene a little more only because i really liked this idea of 
he's got there are you know he's got no adults in his life at all and then the the one that's supposed to have his back the teacher doesn't yeah um that was so that's his, like his only chance and that get, tip gives you a little hint too of course about he would go on to be an educated person but like yep. you can tell he's like if there was an avenue for him to succeed it would have been school yep but he needs help from the people that you're supposed to trust the most yep and they didn't just like let him down they fucking yep. like stabbed him in the back yep literally and not literally uh, but he, gets, he, he gets stabbed himself but um did he get stabbed in real life is that how we died yeah no 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 very phoenix i think was an overdose but it was out front of the viper room or whatever right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. imagine he got stabbed in real life and then in this movie he was oh, stabbed. that would be that would be crazy um <laughs> and uh yeah so that one for me was just like yeah, I don't know. I I bought it. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I mean, you know, I won't say which one was was more powerful, but I bought I, it. I, I bought them I bought both. It. Yeah, no, yeah. nobody was a bad. Nobody gave a bad performance in this at all. Um, yeah. Um, I had a, I had a thought about uh, uh, how this relates to other things though. Um, it, it, early on in the movie, when we're just establishing the characters at first, and especially when Jerry O'Connell comes into the group and has his first, you know, lines of dialogue. Um, my immediately i'm like okay uh cory feldman standing next to this guy cory feldman's character being the way it is i'm like did the goonies rip this movie off uh like because jerry o'connell really reminds me of chunk he's like, chunk really, you think yeah like really reminds me of chunk yeah but then i checked and the goonies came out a year before <laughs> which shocked me too oh I see. Um, okay. right 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 so there's no way Stand By Me ripped off the Goonies. So I, I, it's, I no. guess it's just a coincidence that two years in a row, Corey Feldman had these kind of similar vibe movies with a similar vibe character and with a similar vibe, like best friend character. Had a, had a slightly overweight, annoying buddy. Yeah, they talked too much was, you know, the complained the, a lot, complained the, the a cowardly lot. Cowardly Lion, basically. Complains a lot. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Complains a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and, he, and he was the same type of character, kind of yeah. the, the, the the kind of badass weaselly mouthy bugger of the group um, right it was very very familiar uh feel between those two movies but yeah i don't think there's probably any connection at all except for some nope. of the people who made them uh, like well i mean uh, well the, in a sense though i mean the connections are sort of the time maybe change. obvious like a bunch of kids going on an adventure yeah uh, you know like of coming of age blah yeah. blah blah right like it's probably just a lot of that stuff that's sort of like you yeah. know it, that itch that familiar thing you're just probably feeling i'm sure and sure. and um and maybe it's the feldman thing and yeah 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 mm -hmm. but um yeah it's uh so yeah i i uh i think i think i might fucking put it back on the shelf chair are you serious yeah i think because i enjoyed it uh, but it's like I said, it's it's just shallow enough that I'm don't know if I feel one way or another about it anymore. Wow. Yeah, okay. and I, I just I just think it's it's just sort of you know like I said, it's just it's just uh, it doesn't it didn't I didn't you know I didn't ruminate too much on it. It didn't make me. It didn't send me down an existential <laughs> crisis okay, okay. um no you know what i mean like yeah. it didn't make me it ends and i'm done with it type yep. of thing you know what i mean yep. so I, I i think like i feel let's put it this way if i never see stand by me again i'm okay with that cool yeah okay 
Fair. Ha- having um, enjoyed it, though, having enjoyed yeah. it, yeah. I think I'm good with Stand By Me. I'm never okay. watching it again. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. That we, the point of this was to was to see, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. good to know. Um, I, I, any other thoughts before I I go then? Or... No, I think that's okay. Okay. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't I don't really agree. Um, it, the, again, this was a movie that on rewatch I I had a whole new point of view on, and I took a whole lot new stuff from, and I I I feel like being a dad had gave me a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, yeah. That's fair. points to this right like i That's a lot fair. of questions a lot of questions that are debated in this film are questions that i debate every day yeah um so um maybe that's maybe that's why um but i also felt like um uh kind of an iconic film that kind of was ripped off and borrowed from in so many ways um and i one scene i just noticed in my notes that i didn't talk about um was i i think goodwill hunting borrowed from this script um uh, there's a scene where river phoenix is telling is uh is talking to uh will wheaton about what they're going to do in their future and will wheaton's like yeah i probably won't go to school I'll probably just stick around here and work with you guys right and um and he, he and, and and river phoenix gets mad at him and says no way you're not it, it's like god gave you something man like and it's it's almost exactly the same as right the, like the hanging out with like, us is a waste of your time yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If, if, yeah. if i every day i i show up here to pick you up and i hope for one second that i'm going to get there and you're not going to be there um now that doesn't make you know yeah that doesn't make me like goodwill hunting anymore because i already hate it and i think the script right. is so derivative right. garbage, but, oh, uh, very derivative i don't know yeah, what yeah, garbage. Yeah. i like it but i think it's yeah. definitely uh it yeah. shows its influences very sure clearly. right yeah yeah i yeah. think that this is a direct influence um yeah. but also like a lot of other things um um uh, a very iconic movie that like uh, scenes where people are are on a railway bridge and a train comes like like yep. popped up in everything for a while um, yeah yeah so um important and i enjoyed my rewatch and and this and a classic kiefer like peak kiefer um was was awesome and peak john cusack to me um i made me love this so um i don't know that i'm gonna look forward to watching it again anytime soon maybe i'll watch it in a few years when my son's older with with him like when he's closer to this age Mm -hmm. um see how he likes it um um but um but i like it um and i and i'm and i'm i'm a free free wine steve we we have we have we have had our first disagreement (laughs) um that never happens uh but um yeah that's how i feel i really enjoyed watching it again thanks for voting for it guys um Uh, that was uh heather shirley uh god i don't know how to pronounce her last name it's vsoe i don't know if it's soe or or okay i'm not sure well, thank you, Heather, uh, yeah. for that suggestion. And for everybody who voted for it, uh, it was a very popular suggestion, and, and we're happy to have reviewed it. So yeah. um, I, I guess that that's it for the reviews uh, today uh, on our first episode of Please Rewind. Um, Steve, is there anything you want to mention before we wrap up today? Obviously, uh, if you listen to this, it, you're probably already a member of the group, but obviously find Please Rewind on Facebook and join the group. Um, yeah. Our host site, sendlinks.com. You can always go Invite check that out. Um, we'll be on uh, Twitter uh, reposting this. Um, I, I'd like to get the poll up every Monday-ish, if we can, to get the next movie set up. So look for that if you haven't already. Um, please keep the suggestions coming. Um, we want to uh, we want to have, you know, it, it should be an embarrassment of riches, right? We want to have way more movies than we can possibly which ever. We, re- which we already kind of do. We, we're set. I mean, we're set up, but I mean, let's let's keep them coming keep in. Going. There, yeah, there's some good ones, but I mean, we're talking. Uh, 
you know, a hundred years of films here. So let's, let's keep them coming. Um, and again, uh, anything 20 years or older as of today. So to anything before 2003 is acceptable. And we promise to honor the results of the poll. Um, even if it's the matrix, like Jer said. So, um, All right. yeah, I, I can't wait until, you have to watch the matrix. I hope, <laughs> I hope I get to watch it with you. Um, if we, if it ends up being the matrix, we should do a live, uh, a live what watching yeah. or something. I have maybe. a feeling it's going to be the great white whale. We'll see. I bet, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. bet you, I bet you the matrix gets suggested, but, but does it win? Well, but, but that's just my gut telling me we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see, but no, that's all I got. All right, man. Well, um, look, this has been fun and, uh, looking forward to the next episode now. Um, and uh yeah i guess that's all i have to say as well so um you know for for steve uh i'm jer um and uh thank you for tuning in to please rewind and be kind and come visit us again soon